Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, a conversation about literature and art, about duende and queerness and coping and tea, border blur and misfits and community, secret places, ragged edges and whimsy. Brought to you by Angel House Press. I'm your host, Amanda Earle. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. I'm Amanda Earle, and this is episode 106, which happens to also be the first se- first episode in our new season, season eight, for some reason. So <laughs> see, welcome to season eight. I'm here today with Gareth Auden-Hole, who is a friend and also the proprietor of a studio, La La Studio. And we are going to uh, have a uh, talk to Gareth about about that studio and he's part of the what we're calling this year is the extra literary or off page thread we've been doing this year so that's the point of this which is uh, I've been talking to people who make uh, uh, do specialize in artist books and uh, a few other things too we talked about um, uh, your origins of the alphabet and all kinds of, of interesting things so now we have a, a music contingent so welcome Gareth hi thanks for having me Thanks for being on the show. Of course, we know I, I know uh, Gareth especially from uh, his own music, and uh, we'll talk more about that. But because uh, usually I have some kind of connection with someone that I'm uh, that I'm talking to on the show. So the first thing I I don't usually like to read bios because I figure people can just Google if they really want a bio. So instead of that, I ask guests to tell me what they would like listeners to know about them. So what would you like listeners to know about you, Gareth? Yeah, well, well, like you say, you know me more from being a musician myself. Yeah. Uh, I as Jack Pine. Jack Pine and the Fire is was is my band, um, and uh, currently on hiatus right now. Uh, from both, actually, the the band is officially on hiatus, and I'm also right now on a sh- hopefully shorter hiatus as I'm, I'm dealing with some some vocal issues but in the meantime it's not a bad time for it because i've been mostly focused on the studio that you mentioned lala studio which is in gatineau quebec um in my home here although it's uh quite a large space well as you at least can see <laughs> no, no one else can see this but yeah we're looking at a, a nice uh, some a nice space yeah for sure some wooden floors and some recording equipment in the background i i would assume yeah yeah that's right <laughs> i don't know did i miss anything that's important <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll go through. I mean, what I'm I'm also going to put the um, the links to the studio and also to Jack Pine and the Fire um, upon the site. So uh, the website is la la studio la la dot com. I guess to be bilingual. I guess you did it that way, so it's it's repeated. Yeah, I guess uh, what 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 your um what your site says about um about the studio here to ex- explain that the uh, term. Here in Gatineau, Quebec, la means here or now, but it can also mean there or then, if you know where you're going. So there you go. And you, uh, La La Studio serves to guide your music recording projects from the roots of your song to the future of your sound, trying to be very writerly there in your in your uh, in your explanation. So that's great. But what what made you decide to uh, to to uh, 
do your own, make your own studio like for, for, uh, to uh, become a, I guess, is the term producer? Do I use that? Is that a, a correct term or is that uh, an yeah. anchor? No, that's correct. Uh, okay. I could, I could just be an engineer in a studio, but, uh, I like to call myself a producer because I like to have a larger role in, in the creation of the full music recording as opposed to just being a guy that pushes and puts microphones on things and, and hits record. Uh, I like to, you know, have some influence at least, uh, if, you know, it depends on the artist, how, how passive or active that influence is. But, mm -hmm. uh, I think either way, just being there and, and giving feedback and hearing and responding to what's there is a role in itself. And anyways, yeah. Yeah. So what made you, what made so, you decide to do that? Um, well, I've been doing it for a while. I went to audio school for audio recording. How many years ago was that? Uh, 13, <laughs> 14 years ago. Okay. Um, I think I graduated in 2009 from the Ontario Institute of Audio Recording Technology in London. Cool. Why art for short. Um, and so I've been doing it kind of on the side and actually this whole time, but never been like confident promoting it as as a service i used to record under the name wevox sound at a certain point my website was hacked and i was like well i don't think anyone i never it's it had been a, a an under construction website for for always <laughs> uh, so, so when that happened i was just like well i'll just let it die and, and i didn't really continue and I, I i kept um i was still recording and I was working out of a couple studios in town occasionally and out of my home. But yeah, I always wanted to have a proper space like that I could be proud of as being like purpose built for the, the creation of music and for the recording of it. And, you know, with decent acoustics and all the gear required to to make a great recording. And so we bought a house uh my partner and i in the last couple of year or a little over two years ago and it had an empty basement so that was one of the exciting factors about the house for me because it you know seemed high enough for a studio and i was like this is my chance to actually you know have the space that i always dreamed of wow. and be able to do it in the way that you know i can be proud enough to to advertise and market to people and and you know feel proud bringing people here as opposed to so just being like, I have these skills and I guess you can do it at my house. It'd be fine. Right. <laughs> you know? just come over. Yeah. That, that it, makes sense. It's like an actual studio for the purpose of recording uh, music. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. And I was just looking at the different, like just looking at your sites in the past pro project section, you've got um, Old Whiskey Road under the neon lights was one. And then... Um, Nathaniel Larochette, who is, um, yeah, whose work um, I know of, we've had him on the show with his partner, Conyer Clayton, and they've talked about uh, their projects together and stuff like that, because he's also, a, he's also a, a writer, a poet as well, a spoken word poet. So, yeah, and then the John Punch Band is another one. And then, of course, your own Left to your, Our Own Devices, which is an album that I, I really like. So, yeah, so you've done, you've done a lot of different things Um um already in that in that department is it uh if you do your own is it um it's funny my 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 knowledge of production comes only from one place i have a uh, i guess one of my favorite um 
um, musicians is Ron Sexsmith. And so and one of the things I, I because I followed him for his entire career, basically, I, could, I started to listen to his music when he, like just well, not the first out al- very first album, but basically his his first real because he didn't call the the um the first thing he did, he did he doesn't call it his first album anyway i've been following him since like the early aughts basically and one of the things he always i always notice is is the different uh types of production on the albums so some albums um my complaint is always with him i always love him live but sometimes i like less the production because sometimes it feels um it's just not as um it's just it's a lot more instru- the instruments are sometimes take a higher to me anyway as i i, I want to hear his voice most of all so anyway that just to say that that is my only pay attention that i pay to the dip like he's had people like mitchell Froome or he had bob rock for an album which is which was an interesting thing so those are the things i know that's the sum total of everything i know about production so what i have to ask you is can you tell me about all the di- tell us about all the different things that you do do in order to make well if you're making a record or it could just be a, a song and what are some of the things you weren't expecting to have to do either for your own albums or for others yeah well that's a pretty great example of the the broad spectrum of of what production can amount to in producing an album or a song. Um, And like, I like to, you know, say, I often say that I I like song focused production. So like Mm. do what the song needs. Um, But even, you know, sometimes that means like picking out lyrics and, and trying to find like the emotion of the song and how can we bring that out sonically in a way that reflects the lyrics and the music and the performance and everything like that of the of the basic song. But even that can go, you know, as to as disparate poles as as Ron Sexsmith's music does. Um so like the two songs I'm mixing right now, I have two singles I'm working on right now with different artists. And one of them, the artist was really interested in having a full production. So there's drums and, and bass and banjo and like four wow. or five other instruments on there and a couple of voices and a full effects and a big finish and all that stuff. Um, whereas another artist i was i was pushing him to to try some different like production methods and like well we could record that guitar part twice and pan them on either side and it's still a simple performance but sonically kind of interesting um and we went through a lot of different things and in the end in fact i just sent him a mix and i think i'm going to be pulling a lot of stuff out of it because he really liked the down kind of almost lo-fi approach of some of the reference tracks I was sending him just from from the recording just to show what we did that day kind of thing without having massaged it and like right. cleaned everything up made it all pre-sounding and lush so it's it yeah it it depends a lot on each artist and each song you know every every artist has their own identity too so a lot of it in terms of production is, is figuring out what that identity is and how we can right. best without um confusing it either um someone like ron sexsmith because he he's known specifically for songwriting like that's yeah his, his kind of unusual some people don't like his voice but no one can argue with his songwriting that's and right. so yeah he can go with and work with these different producers and that's just the thing everything's a collaboration and and you know each album is 
a different reflection on the songs in it kind of thing or the songs that he's capable of writing yeah he said he says that he doesn't he doesn't do any co-writing on his albums at all See, i guess he he i remember hearing in the junos there were so many uh people with uh, co-writing credits and they're like seven people on the song and the other thing too is i remember speaking of ron sexsmith again uh, but he on, on his Ron Sexsmith album, which is from the early aughts, he was there's a song uh, there. I guess it was uh, it was um, there's there's a rhythm and it, it was produced by uh, Danielle Lanois. And he um, there's also another version of that song on the album. So I think mm-hmm. I think like he wanted the uh, he wanted a different version of the song that wasn't produced by Daniel on the. <laughs> so that's kind of that's sort of like what I can imagine happening, like if the album could come out and. If the person, well, I mean, the person can be totally happy with the way it's produced, but also want another another interpretation of the of the song, which is a a nerdy music thing to do. But I think a lot of if you have, um, I don't know, some ideas in mind, like you you might have certain tastes as as the artist, but still want that that ver- both versions. Basically, you can see both existing separately, but still, but still in that mode. Are you a person? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I've. I've recorded different versions of songs on sure. my records even as well. The, the Lone Wolf song. Right. For, I have a band version and I have a solo version and a solo version is much faster. Yeah. And the band version has this kind of like, you know, groove. And another song that I play on different instruments with different chords. And uh, yeah, like that happened between my Lone Wolf EP and the Left to Our Own Devices album. There's two those two songs that are on both, but very different deliveries. But you also mentioned um, co-writing. And in yeah. terms of production process, uh, okay, I definitely don't insist on co-writing, and, but it's a discussion to be had at the beginning. And often we will start with the, with the songs just on their own. And if I have any recommendations as to like this, Part isn't quite landing or like what do you mean by that or like what it, what like, I, I love to have the backstory of songs and to yeah. like dig into them to partly for me to understand them but also to make sure that the the result of the song that we're actually going to record is final <laughs> or, or close to it and is the best that it can be like any everything that I'm doing I'm trying to make you know the, the end product which is an unfortunate name um, <laughs> to right. be the best it can be because because in the end you know once an artist has recorded a song it is a product and they, they spend a lot of time out there hopefully you know trying to get as many people to listen to it as possible and it's like it's sort of you know immemorial as opposed to one-off of a live show once it's on record like that's that's what you're putting out there so let's make it the best it can be yeah no that makes sense to me and I see I see Better that role to be sorry go ahead and better than the artist, you know, dreamt of. Yeah, I see. I see the role of of a of a producer to be very similar to that of an editor, like in a for from the point of view of a literary work, like in a. Uh, I've done. I've both a writer, but also an editor myself. And what I'm trying to do is is basically help the writer to to realize the intent of their of their their work so what they were what they have in their head about what they want the work to be is what i'm i'm trying to help them achieve that right so it's it's um, so you try to give them the best tools that that will help them to achieve that uh 
that um, the end the end product that you're trying to do. And I what I said about your songwriting too is that um, that it's your songwriting is one of the reasons why I'm a fan of your work because you've got some witty and amusing. You've got a lot of rhymes sometimes like Lone Wolf and you and it's full of heart such as a song warming up or your imagery like in in gold, silver, and bronze. And you of course you have a beautiful voice and play play instruments well so and i love the mandolin for instance but um um and the fact is your songs tend to be quite human and vulnerable so um if you're working with another artist on their music what's it like to because they have probably different styles and themes than yours what's it like to to work with those different if you're trying to help them with their writing as well like how do you well i mean at some point i i do try to get try to get to the the vulnerability of yeah. it. it it is there so, sometimes it's not <laughs> i mean sometimes it's 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 a funny song or, or something like that like not all of my songs are vulnerable no. but i think that's that's what people i think that's what people really can relate to is, is is a common emotion or a common feeling or a thought that they've had before um and you know generally people write songs for others one way or another maybe they wrote it about themselves or they wrote it um as a way to cope with the thoughts they have that's something that yeah. i can do for sure yeah um but in the end you're always aware that someone else is going to be listening to it and the popular songs yeah. are the ones that people can do or maybe it's the other way around <laughs> maybe the best songs that's it <laughs> well, yeah the popular ones aren't <laughs> What about some of the, are there any things you weren't expecting to have to do either for your own albums or, or for others as far as doing like the production and stuff? Uh, well, I won't say I, I didn't expect it, but it, it can be the most challenging thing, <laughs> which is, you know, if we're talking about these vulnerabilities and stuff like that, at a certain point, sometimes, you know, I, I am asking people to put put their all into a performance or sometimes financially as well put put you know more money than they have into making an album just because right. that's that's what it costs to make it great and so yeah it's, there's a psychological aspect to working with artists in particular but people on that level because it in a lot of ways it's like it's like we're making their baby yeah absolutely. <laughs> like, you know it's your baby i'm just raising it for you <laughs> <laughs> and then you, and you get to put it out in the world but uh yeah <laughs> there there is that sort of you know it can be a sensitive uh thing it's it's someone else's art that you're working with so it, it can definitely happen that you know people get wrapped up in their emotions and, and often i'm asking them to get wrapped up in their emotions in order to, to deliver that in a performance or or to just to talk about it so that i i know what i need to deliver in in the recording and the production so yeah there's a psychological aspect that can sometimes be challenging <laughs> and, yeah you're also a therapist yeah. you have a couch on in your studio so <laughs> Okay. Therapy couch behind me, yeah. <laughs> Listening flat therapy couch. <laughs> there you go. That's that's great. That's hilarious. And speaking of your studio, I guess um, I I was going to ask you to describe it, but we've talked about it a little bit. So, what's the ideal space for recording music, and what's on your wish list of improvements for, or equipment? What would you like to have? Say, money was no object. Let's let's blue sky it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in in the end, it's it should be both tech technical and creative the space mm -hmm. right so it you know 
it has a lot of technological things and you need all these these tools and toys and and noisemakers in order to to be ready to make music but also again there's there's that emotional aspect and and it needs to be a space where someone could come and be creative and feel creative and be comfortable that that was sort of what i didn't like about the sort of makeshift spaces that i always had before they were always like a bedroom and it's like um a you got to be in my personal space yeah um, and b you know it it's hard to make it comfortable when I've just crammed it full of gear. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, comfort I think is is really important. And so I try to create that atmosphere both in the way that I am working with people and and speaking and and being with them, and in, in what the place looks like and and what's available to people. Beyond that, you know, good acoustics are important. <laughs> Um, it's nice to have a room that sounds good or at least uh, allows your instruments to sound good. And that's something that in my space, I think, I'll, you know, I've done some some basic things and I, it sounds pretty okay so far. Uh, definitely good enough to make a great record. Uh, and I've already made one at least uh, <laughs> in this room. Uh, but the reality is that I'm going to be chipping away at, at perfection for, for years to come. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's fun. Who's and the usability and the workflow and and you know getting wires from one side to the other without seeing them on the floor or or stuff like that so that will be a, a long-term project but it's something that I, I put thought into just in divide deciding the the basic dimensions of the room for example and you know i have many absorptive walls that right. some of which you can see in some and you know other acoustic things and I'll be building more and more acoustic things, you know, for years to come. I'm sure that's just, that's the reality of owning a studio as well. <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting because at least you had the opportunity the way you did it was you, you bought a house with that ex exactly. That was one of the main, I assume one of the main reasons to have the house. And so you, you kind of, you had it in mind, like you don't, you didn't have to, it's not as much retrofitting. I mean, you still had to put all the, all the, uh, uh, all the sound stuff in like acoustic walls and stuff like that. But it's, it's different than say, if you're trying to retrofit another space for your, for it, like that, which is what I always do for everything I do. It's like this apartment has to serve in every way for everything. And I can't change. I can't add space or anything. I have to just, you know, use it as it is and put stuff away. When I'm working on one project, I'll have a thousand books out and then I'll have to put those away if I want to do my fitness class the next day. Right. So on Zoom. So, you know. Yeah, yes. exactly. I mean, and this was a completely unfinished space with open open joists above and concrete walls and floors and stuff like that. So it's it's been at least a year of work to get it to this point, um, which for all intents and purposes isn't entirely finished yet. It's it's open and it's ready. It's it's um, it's a space for music already, but there's still work to be done <laughs> to, to finish the space. Um, and, you know, I'll be chipping away at it for, for some time. <laughs> but yeah, you know, there were no walls, there was no drywall anywhere. Um, and it's been, uh, purpose built for for what it is <laughs> did you did you and your partner do the work yourself or did you did you have well did you have help or, or like did you are you are, can you are you handy can you do like that <laughs> mostly myself um my partner has 
helped on some projects like the floors. He helped me with the subfloor and yeah. with the, the floor that you see there. But all the walls and the framing and all that, most of that was myself. Uh, I did have, I, I should definitely mention Riley, who's, <laughs> uh, he actually wasn't a, a friend per se until I, you know, I had met him through Ian Tamblin actually at the Grassroots Festival. Mm-hmm. I'm t-shirt today. <laughs> Uh, just as a, an audio guy, he, you know, I guess Ian had worked with him or, or knew him from, I guess they both live in Chelsea, Wakefield area. Right. And so, yeah, I had met him and he seemed like a, a nice guy and, you know, offering him work and stuff like that in the, in the live sound realm. Uh, cause I do that as well. And sometimes I can't take everything or there's some, you know, jobs that don't pay as well and are better for someone that's still learning or right. coming up. So I'd throw him offers and usually he'd turn them down. And eventually I was like, well, I'm actually building a studio. Do you know how to build anything? And uh, he was into it and actually came by every Thursday for several months, wow. you know, probably twice as many months as he initially promised to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's how all the walls and, and everything got done, you know. And part of it was just sort of an accountability buddy, <laughs> like, Right. I know that Thursday someone's coming over to build, so I'd better have my crap together and <laughs> hey, know what we're going to do that day and have my planning done and, you know, hopefully have made some progress on my own in between. So, yeah, right. Riley Hyde <laughs> was, was a great help for that. That, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad that you had someone to help you with and accountability, especially is important. Yeah, it, it re- reminds me, too, that that's another place where I actually that's where I, I met you is through your live sound work that you did for the Ottawa International Writers Festival too. That was, um, um, that was another th- place where I'd, um, and I'd also, so there was, I was, you were already doing the uh, tech with there, the sound tech and stuff at the festival. And, uh, and then you performed for us for the, our John New Love Poetry Award, which was great. And you, we, we had, there was someone else doing this, the other people doing the sound, but you were there too. So that was, that was a very reassuring. Um, I feel like that's almost the, um, the one of the last perform one of the last ones we had before the pandemic and then for the pandemic we had to go um on to um do it through uh, zoom for a couple of um a couple of the um the events and then we now we last year we had it again in person and um my brain is blanking on who the musician was. Oh dear, I'm sorry. Oh, Subaraj Singh, I think was was the musician last year. I think so. It's just they started. We've been doing this for so long with the John Newlove Poetry Award through Bywords that um, since 2004. So sometimes I don't. Sometimes years run into one another, so I can't necessarily remember who, who, which. Uh, but I remember. Yeah, I, I remember. Um, you were the sound tech. I remember on Andrea Sims Carp's uh, performance, and it was actually in the sanctuary of the Christchurch Cathedral, which was. Which was it's always interesting to see where we where because we we've done that um, with the writers festival at various venues and I guess that's another issue too that you're working working in these live venues and having to figure out how the sound works even the almost the physics of it to to figure out how the sound works in those spaces as well so that's another part of having to think about sound in your in your profession right you have to deal with these issues of looking at a room and going oh this is a terrible place for acoustics how can i how can i what do you do what are some of the things you do to try and fix a bad room like if you're having to you know uh put on a show in in a in a is there anything you can do (laughs) well 
physically not not always uh you know but you know the the proper placement of the speakers and stuff like that uh communication as well with with the artists sometimes um you know if if there's a band on stage uh, and it's a very live room as in lots of reverb and reflections mm -hmm. then it can be important that their monitors the, the speakers they have on stage for themselves are pointed directly at their face <laughs> right if it's pointed at the sky then they won't be able to hear themselves and they'll ask me to turn it up for example and yeah sometimes you actually actually have to you know tell them they need to be closer to the microphone yeah <laughs> well kind of poets thing. are the worst for that actually we i, I mean i have to admit I am terrible. Like, well, I, I I have a good voice, uh, but I have one of my issues is that I I don't, I you know I've been I've been performing my or reading my poetry in front of an audience for over twenty years now, and I still don't know how to adjust the mic, and I still don't bother learning. It's ridiculous, but I just I I can't be bothered. I figured I'm on stage. If you want me to use the mic right, you have to, to be the one to fix it for me because. But I'm always short. I'm like I'm short, so I, I always like reading after some really tall person. And like, well, you know, just do something or whatever. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, there was actually some talk years ago. I don't think it ever happened, but there was some talk of giving a workshop for poets on how to use a mic, and it it's a good idea. Like they could use it. They absolutely and me too. But. I, I just, I'm probably too, you know, well, maybe I, I can learn, who knows? I'm just bad. You know what it is? I'm really bad with my hands. What happens is I start to, I start to like, Charles actually calls my hands squirrel hands because when I, when I touch things, like I can open pack, I can break things. Like, so I, I'm afraid of, of breaking things. So I, that's what, that's the reason why I don't want to want to touch the microphone because I know if I put my hands on it I'm going to do something that's going to wreck it and it's not going to wreck it just for me it'll wreck it for the next people so it's better just to like let other people who are skilled at it but it's true that there has been there was talk of doing some kind of a workshop for poets on, on using the microphone it would be actually an important thing to do probably wouldn't make any money to speak of because poets have no money usually so not 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 unlike a lot of musicians so None of us have money here. That's it. Um, for your own music, you've also done a lot of community uh, engagement, whether it's a live support performances or supporting causes. Like, so you had a video for uh, the one thing, and you you made it to raise awareness about gun violence and to support a Toronto char charity, which is called Leave Out Violence. Um, is this something you will be continuing to do with the studio and other music you make? Do you think do some community? Um, outreach and support yeah i'd like to and that was actually one of the you know my sort of one of my plans actually in in thinking about how i want to promote this studio and how i want to find clients and stuff like that or like you know i'm, I'm not so big into social media and stuff like that i i'm pretty terrible at it actually <laughs> <laughs> just just the act of doing it I, i'm terrible at so yeah i i kind of want it to be you know connected to community one way or another so I've, I've i guess it's not necessarily all tied to the studio at this point but in my life in general i try to like if i'm it's not necessarily a charity thing but if i'm doing live sound i want to know that i'm connecting with a community that that'll be relevant to yeah. me in the studio so you know, in part, just so that I'm connecting with that community. So, so I, I do sound at Irene's because right. that's 
I started doing music and I, I don't tend to go out much <laughs> anymore. So yeah, I, I want to, I want to stay connected with that community and I do sound down the road here. They don't pay quite enough technically by my usual standards. Um, but it's, it's a, a community music venue. Like it's a neighborhood community music venue and they have, they do it primarily. It's mostly volunteer run and they do it primarily just to have action happening in the neighborhood. What, what do you, um, what is it? What do you mean when you say down the road? Cause you know, I'm not in Gatineau, so I don't know what's down the road. <laughs> down the road for me is Parliament Hill. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it isn't in my, in my neighborhood. It's about yeah. three blocks away from me here in Vieux Gatineau is where I live. Right. Um, and it's called Propulsion Seine. Okay. Propulsion. And the whole idea is to, you know, lift up the community a little bit and also lift up the artists that may need a place to play. It's a listening room, which is great. Um, so anyways, that's, that's the idea. But also, you know, so I have a list of communities <laughs> that I, I want to stay in right. contact with and, and have the studio be a part of. Um, we hosted, I teamed up with uh, an artist in Ottawa to host a queer focused, it was called yeah. Queer um, Showcase in, it was in September, I guess. Okay. Or no, it was in August. It was during Pride, Ottawa Pride. Yeah. Uh, so we we put on a, a showcase of queer songwriters in Ottawa. Great. Um, yeah. And at Live on Elgin. And that was great fun. And yeah, I try to, I try to keep that uh, as a thing. <laughs> and I, I don't have any official charity affiliations at this point, but who knows? <laughs> well, I, I, I remember seeing you perform at uh, Glenn Nuotio's uh, Quart, the, the queer arts. Uh, uh, and that was a number of years ago now. And there it was it was a showcase of of uh, queer artists. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. There were so many great um I, I that was what I do there is I um I'm like scouting for bywords uh the John New Love uh poetry award for the music part of this so I always and it was it was you from there you and also John Ian was another person who I was able to uh, get who's also performed for us um uh so yeah I I always appreciate that uh, as well I'm also uh, th these days I've gone back to going to open mics uh, to read my own work but also um there's an open mic here at the art house cafe on on the first and the third Monday and it's a mixed open mic so there's 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 people who like me who read poetry or perform spoken word but there's also a lot of musicians and it's fantastic and the person who's going to perform for us um whose name I don't fully have on hand right now, but anyway, they're, um, they're performing. I, I got them from an open, I heard them from an open mic. So yeah, I'm back, which is great. Cause I'm back to, um, I have to, I have to come up with someone to play for us every, every year. Right. So <laughs> that's my one. We used to, Bywords used to have actually, um, aside from that, we used to also have four readings for our quarterly journal for 10 years. We had we had that, and what we what um, I did is I had made sure we had music for everyone, and we were able to pay the all the artists, the musicians, and the poets through because we've been fortunate to get money from the city of Ottawa, which we still we just um, uh, I haven't announced it publicly, but yeah, the city uh, has given us money for this year again too, so that means we can pay everyone, <laughs> which is which is important to me. That's something I really care about. Um, through Angel House Press, the press that uh, is, I guess, part of this podcast, I um, have been running crowdfunding campaigns to pay our contributors for the lot and it's successful. So I've been able to pay everyone uh, for the last few years. I'm trying to do that as much as I can. And uh, so, yeah, otherwise you tend to get uh, 
the same people performing who, you know, so yeah, we're trying to make sure the voices, we have voices from other, uh, from, from all, all across um, the spectrum of possibility there. So, um, mm-hmm. and the other thing too about uh, you is that uh, when you came up with the name Jack Pine and the fire, Jack Pine was named after the tree, the Tom Thompson uh, paint from the Tom Thompson painting, which I thought was very neat. I like that, that you did that. I, <laughs> but uh, I also, I, there's a, in, certainly uh, on the, on the studio page, there's an environment and on the, uh, you, there's an environmental slant to you, like a focus on, uh, on as well. So how does your environmentalism fit with the work that you're doing with the studio? If it does at all, or <laughs> maybe it doesn't, I don't know. We throw everything away here. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't go much past, yeah. you know, generally trying to be conscious. Yeah. Uh, in the way that we do things yeah you know we do the recycling and the composting and everything like that and yeah. try to be conscientious about that uh what's on the website is mostly a, a land acknowledgement um, yeah that's the land acknowledgements there yeah yeah i mean it's it's generally a respect for nature so uh we do have uh you know it's it's in the city but we have a, a decent sized yard and and i try to you know, talk up the fact that there's some nat- natural life <laughs> around. And if you want to go hang out in the yard between takes and, and write a song or something like that, it's not a bad place to do it. Oh, nice. uh, we have a really big tree. And so is, you know, the thought is to attract people that, that would appreciate my big, lovely tree, <laughs> which, tree? which I love a lot. What kind of tree is it? Silver yeah. maple. Okay. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I love trees. It's I, I, like, there's a path that, that goes through my yard and it's been there, I assume, as long as the house was since the 50s. And the tree is actually like growing over the path and like eating the path. So, <laughs> so I don't know if we have like, you know, major environmental uh, projects going on yet, although I would love to, but it's, it's just a general, you know, respect for nature. There, there's places you can walk here and stuff like that. And, and I like that. So I like, you know, I want to work with other people like that too. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And, and, you know, I think um, one of the things that I think about is with the, um, with the, all of the things happening with the climate emergency is I, I feel like um, making art becomes even more urgent, you know, like we, we, we have to, and, and we're making art that, and raising awareness of, of trying to get people to um, sort of celebrate, but also understand the importance of, of, uh, making nature as central to the to the the situation there's um i i i walk to my fitness class well not now because it's it's on zoom over the summer but uh through most of the year i walked to my fitness class at carlton and um in the just a few months ago i got one of these apps that identifies plants and i really love it but the problem is i tend to stop and want to know the, the what all you know what the different trees are and there's this russian olive tree that i have to visit every time i like i have to go to this tree and it's got a broken branch that i'm kind of concerned about so i don't know i feel like should i be reporting this to someone or something because like, is there an arborist who can, you know, because I'm worried that, you know, it's in trouble. But there, there's a lot of really amazing trees on Bronson, like walk, like south on Bronson near Carleton University. And I always, I, there's a, there's a laurel willow and um, there's also um, a cottonwood. And cottonwoods can be really tall, like in the old. They can be like, they can, they can be like real, like over hundreds of years old. And um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's. 
trees or something, trees and birds are, I always, um, I stop to listen, like I have another app that t- through the sound of the birds, you know, you can identify the birds. So it drives me, I go crazy because I get, I get, oh my God, I, I, I listen to, I got a cardinal, I got a bluebird, a blue jay, you know, like it's, it's, it's quite fun actually when I'm walking to do that. So uh, I've suddenly become a poet who writes about birds, which I wasn't doing before. So I only really wrote about crows and pigeons, which were, I saw around mostly. So now it's, now it's all the other birds that are starting to infiltrate my and trees that are infiltrating my poetry, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> we actually have planted quite a few trees on the property as well since we moved in. Like when we first got here, we any tree that was just because it was kind of let go the whole the whole yard, and now we have like a forest corner kind of. It's not it's not a lot of space, but sort of a, a little tiny forest in, in the backyard. And uh, this year we planted like seven trees that we bought and planted so so yeah (laughs) uh not counting cedars actually we planted a bunch of cedars too to try to make some private that's nice yeah (laughs) and i I think also like from the point of view of the studio having that kind of environment for for the the musician to be in is 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 also inspiring and puts them in a well I mean trees um, always put me in a in a good mood like a relaxing mood there's a um, I listened to this podcast called between the covers with uh, David Naiman who's also on on, on the show uh, back in um, in May and uh, he had a guest on uh, I guess it was an older show but um, I, I had a live guest at live um, Richard um, Richard Powell uh, Richard Power, who um, actually has a book called The Overstory, and it actually the trees are the main characters of the story. So, so that's it's on my list of books to read. Definitely, there you go. A tangent, a tree tangent, which is nice. Can you talk about some of your experiences with recording as a producer in training and as a musician? What are some of the issues or things to look out for in production company or producer? What things do you have to be aware of? Like, if someone wants to be a producer, what advice would you give to them? That's a big one. <laughs> Don't yeah, do a, it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess be sort of specific in what, what you want to do and what you want to get out of it. I, I remember when uh, when I was in, in audio school, at one point, a teacher, you know, said like, you know, how put your hand up if you're, if you're here because you want to record your own music. And I didn't put my hand up because <laughs> that that wasn't my intention when I went there like I'm like no I wouldn't be spending all this money just because I wanted to record my own music I can make I can make my own crappy recordings right now and obviously that changed eventually but you know my plan at the time was I wanted to record other musicians uh, I didn't want to do live sound but I've been you know pretty staunchly driven to to be in a position where I can record other artists and, and be part of the production of, of recorded music. Um, and in the meantime, you know, it's, it's it, Ottawa is not the easiest place to make a full-time living doing that. Right. Um, and certainly if you can do it on your own, in your own space, there's very few, if any jobs available, like employers that are going to hire you to be an engineer. Right. And because in the end they're, they're all, working with artists and in Ottawa it's not a lot of artists that make a great living enough that they can pay a great living to a producer so 
yeah, you, you still be flexible as well, I guess. <laughs> In addition to being firm about what you, what it is you want to do and striving to do that, also be flexible in what you're, what you know in the fact that you may have to do other things as well like even in this studio i'm i'm very firm that i really want it to be focused on working with songwriters and especially singer songwriters and acoustic musicians and mm -hmm. uh, folk musicians and you know a certain kind of niche but reality is if someone wants to record a podcast here or or a mm book of poetry for example <laughs> audio audio to re or record audio books um you know that wouldn't be out of the question and and i you know nathaniel I, the the recording that you mentioned is yeah. is a guitar work but i did a, a spoken word album with him right and that, that involves some music as well um and it was actually a pretty cool project to work on but yeah so anyways yeah <laughs> I, I don't know was, all your questions there. Why was that a cool project to work on? That's I'm curious about what 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 about it was was fun for you to uh, do? I guess it was one thing. It was a bit different from recording just uh, just yeah. music and and words together in that way. <laughs> it was different. It was a, a first time working on that kind of project and spoken word in particular. There there's still yeah. a lot of musical correlations going on there. Yeah. There's the passion and energy to an actual performance as opposed to just a reading. And in, in his case, he, he did set it a lot of it to music, either that he played himself or uh, I think Raf, uh, his cello player, did a, a track for it as well. And uh, his girlfriend at the time, who has since become a musician herself, played some, some sounds on it as well. So yeah, it, it was interesting. It was also, we went up to my mother's cottage on White Lake um, mm -hmm. and brought recording gear up there and recorded it up there to be even more in nature which i still do or still am capable of doing at least some people like you know the full immersion um, experience where they can just go and be somewhere for a full week and have everything needed to make an album and and be that focused in like a living types of type situation and that's something that i hope will will happen again soon it's not oh, the only thing my own album i did up there as well actually yeah. left prices that's a, that's a great idea that happened up there too so <clears throat> yeah that's good yeah when you mentioned raf it's that's uh um rafael weinroth brown who actually i've heard at the um art house cafe open mic a couple of times now wow he's extraordinary like really uh amazing so that that's neat that he was involved with that album as well yeah. i was thinking too about um well, I don't know. Uh, this is this is. I find this to be kind of an amateurish type question. But anyway, like you know, some artists like Billie Eilish just record their own. Like she she does her. She and her brother Phineas do their. They record their own albums in their own space, right? They just do. It's not a. It's not a fancy space. It's like in her bedroom or whatever. So so, what would you advise artists about the difference between recording, say, just trying to record themselves with whatever equipment they can afford and doing it professionally in a studio there's obviously a, there can be a, a real difference in that but uh. there can i mean the reality is that you know home recording technology is getting better and better and yeah. that that is a great example that you give i don't think they work on in i mean they probably did at some point work in big studios but the actual recording and the actual you know source recordings were probably mostly kind of lo-fi yeah 
uh, he also has a pretty incredible talent for production. I mean, my experience recording myself, like when I went to audio school, I was already recording myself and having a really tough time at it. Um, and that was one of the incentive, then one of the reasons I went to audio school for it. To me, it's like, I always say it's like the, there's the two brains going on. There's the technical, technological brain and there's the creative brain, right? Yeah. You're left and right, which is which. <laughs> I don't know yeah. enough about it explain it to you but that's uh that's the thing and so like if you're thinking about the technology and and all that stuff it, it can be really hard to to really put your all into the performance and and again the creative and emotional aspect of of a recording so beyond that it can be you know quite the rabbit hole to to learn how to record yourself and do a great job of it plus the acoustic factor, like, does your room actually sound good? Plus the feedback aspect um, of having some, like I've been, I've recorded my own stuff, but I always have, or often have had someone else there when I'm recording my final vocals, because I want that feedback of someone saying like how, you know, telling me how that went and giving me that immediate feedback, even like, especially when I'm working on my own projects, I've always been very, intentional 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 excuse me <laughs> about um, seeking objectivity like finding ways to have a fresh ear on it whether it's bringing a friend in i think you know, my first album nathaniel came over once uh at least and listened to the album with me and gave me some feedback and i had someone there when i was recording some of my own parts in part because I had a, a booth and it was hard to hit record when I was in right. there, but also to give me feedback on how to sing. And at the time I really did not know how to sing. Really? Um, I just wanted to sound, even if I felt still feel that I really didn't know how to sing that. <laughs> uh, I don't think you need to know how, how to sing properly in order to, to make a good recording, but I've since learned how to sing and also learned <laughs> the pitfalls of not knowing how to sing and, things that can happen you can do to your voice yeah oh okay which is why i learned how to sing for one <laughs> and uh yeah anyways so you know there's there's a lot of reasons i also understand why people do choose to record at home for some people it just makes sense for them to to be alone in their creative process and maybe they, they're really interested in making their own sounds and stuff like that and that's why i, I guess i also offer like if you go to my website, I say that I, I offer, like I prefer actually to do end-to-end -end production. Right. Where it's like you know, we start at the song process and end at a final mix. And I, I, and I have my fingers in every part there. Um, but I also offer, you know, services, specific services of each of those steps between those two things. Because I, I recognize that some people either won't be able to afford doing a full production or they're, you know, intent on recording things themselves. And so maybe they just want me to mix it. Maybe they just want me to edit it. I can still do. Yeah. Still right. support them in that way, which I really love. That's right. I was just, I was thinking about, um, uh, the cow uh, about cowboy junkies when they recorded the Trinity sessions and how, um, how that was like that process because it was in the Trinity Church in Toronto and it was like a pro it took hours and hours to get that to get it um, 
um, acoustically right for the recording. I think I can't, there's a whole documentary about that. That's quite interesting on them, but yeah, I mean, this stuff is, is, um, and it's such a beautiful sound. I and mean, of course, Margot Timmons has an, an amazing voice, but just like the, the work that went into making everything right for recording you know, the most beautiful possible sound in a church, which, which uh, was a good space for it was like, a, it's like a square in the middle of, uh, you know, it's like downtown Toronto near the Eden Center, right? It's uh, so yeah, so but just the, this importance of getting getting things right, and how and how when you do, you can really have something that I mean, that album has been, it's an iconic album, you know, everyone loves that album, right? Everyone knows that album. And uh, yeah, so you want you want that kind of memorable, you want that kind of memorable sound something that will last forever and yeah that's, so you're doing important work gareth important work <laughs> okay. so what's what can you talk about what's either what's what's new from the studio or what's forthcoming as far as uh or if there's anything that just i think you had there was an album that just or just came out recently i can't remember who was the um the musician yeah that's uh that's the first full album that we recorded here in the studio um, Johnny Eaton, his yeah. album is called Here's the Thing. Yeah. Uh, and that was definitely uh, a big project so, and a labor of love. And uh, one where he really trusted me to, to, to go through every process and to really dig in and make each song its own thing. He's, he's being praised right now for how eclectic it is and how Great. being sort of a or a jumper that was uh, a challenge to achieve and so it's something I'm really proud of uh, that album uh, and it included a lot of really great local musicians he it's his first album in 18 years but he actually came with quite a network of friends that are still professional musicians so like the caliber of talent on that record was was really amazing Beyond that, uh, you mentioned John Ian. He's one of the people that I'm working on with right now with the single. More to come. Uh, and another songwriter as well. And there's other things coming down in terms of artists coming through that, you know, I, I won't name them in case no, it doesn't it's happen. No, right. it's too soon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe too soon to, to jump up that gun. I also, we did a project in in London at the, the Folk Music Ontario Conference. Um, I teamed up with Graham Lindsay, who runs uh, Wavelength Media. And we set up basically a sound studio, meaning a video studio in hotel room at the conference. And then I was trying to make it an official thing and get the conference itself on board and to sponsor it and hopefully pay us a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in the end, uh, we just wound up doing it guerrilla style. And I approached a whole bunch of artists that I knew would be at the conference and invited them to collaborate with another, another artist that they mm -hmm. haven't worked with with essentially a challenge of recording one video performance in the space of two hours. Wow. Um, so we got a bunch of responses. And in the end, we had eight musicians total over three recording sessions, um, none of which had worked with each other. Um, and it's funny on the recordings, you can hear them introducing them to, them, to each other after mm -hmm. finishing the sessions. Like, what's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's called the collab sessions, collab, uh, lab with an X sound grav on it. Okay. Uh, and that should start coming out uh, hopefully later this month. It's It's been many times delayed, the release of it that was in the fall that we actually recorded it. And so it's a long time coming. Um, I'm looking forward to that coming out. There'll be three separate releases for those. And um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Moonfruits are part of that. Actually, there was one Ottawa artist per session. So Moonfruits, uh, Lynn Hansen, and Emma Montang were each in a session. And they Moonfruits played with a Hungarian kora player, believe it or not, which is wow. an African instrument. So cool. Um, so catch. Emma Lamontang played with an American indie folk group called the accidentals who are <laughs> apparently they have like billboard cred and all that stuff mm-hmm. and lynn hansen played with medusa who is from toronto and they're a a medieval string quartet oh wow <laughs> amazing yeah so i tried to make them like really interesting kind of unusual pairings and succeeded in doing so <laughs> so it'll be posted on uh, shared on youtube and then shared through social media and all that stuff so we'll try to get all of those links up to the various places that you're on social media on occasion (laughs) when you're there that's good i remember the cbc the cbc had a um a live show and they had it on the cbc radio also um um on on the air uh called fuse it was either fuse i think it was fuse uh, and it was really cool you could basically um you, they would just um, they would combine different artists together, and I remember I, I'm trying to remember some of the Ron Sexsmith, of course, was there with, with uh, Sam Robertson, which was a really and they they actually they sang each other's songs, so that was kind of, that was kind of fun. But there were others too, like I, I can't remember some of the names of some of the other ones. But Charles and I went to all of them. Like as soon as we um, basically we we found out that there was a recording, we we you know we got the tickets right away, and we and it was the studio on Queen Street, so it was just it was really fun and. They they did that for about, I would say they did it for about a year or so. And it was great. Like you you got introduced to a lot of different musicians. It's such a fantastic idea. It's a really great idea. We'll look out for that. Is there anything you'd like to add at this point? We're going to, we're going to wrap up. So is there anything you'd like to add? Just generally? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think, I think we've been pretty. Uh, <laughs> thorough. Thorough. Yeah. Covering everything. I don't know. I was working at Jazz Fest last week. It was fun. And I'll be going to Blues Fest a bit in the coming. I'm looking forward to the summer festival season. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, yeah, if there's any musicians in anyone's life that are uh, looking to record, uh, hit me up. I'd, I'd love to uh, meet them. There you go. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, we'll put all the links up on on the on smallmachinetalks.com. Thanks to Gareth for being on the show, to Jennifer Peterson for the intro and the outro assistance, to Charles Earl for processing, and to all of you for listening and sharing the podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode with Nimra and Manahil, Manahil Bandakwala, who will talk to us about Reth uh, or Rajasthan, their South Asian folklore project, and Women Wide Awake, stories, sculptures, and poems for Cindy folklore. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Small Machine Talks. The small machine talks.